0: Amos chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 12. I want to think with you tonight about an appointment that we all must keep. An appointment that we all must keep. Now, not an awful lot is known about Amos, this uh, preacher that we have thought about tonight, this man who was, as it were, uh, reading those verses to us tonight in our reading. Not much is known about him other than what we can uh, find in the book itself. He's described as a herdsman, and he's maybe a, he was a gatherer of, of sycamore fruit. His name, Amos, actually means burden. And it maybe points quite, uh, quite appropriately to his responsibility to try and communicate his message of, to Israel, warning them of sin. And we have a picture then of a man from a very humble background. He was very unremarkable. He's from an unremarkable village. And yet he was selected by God to be God's spokesman, to be God's uh, warning within a very prosperous nation at that time, but it was guilty of an awful lot of uh, social evils. They were engaged in all manner of things. And Amos was tasked to come along and to warn, to tell them and to warn them of impending judgment, to show the way of salvation for that people. And friend, that is exactly what we are trying to do tonight in the gospel here in, in Kilray. And it's my responsibility to try and show you the way of salvation, to warn you of judgment to come, and to examine that great appointment and to think of that great appointment, which each and every one of us must keep, that appointment with death. I want you to think as we have been reading tonight, maybe you, you caught it, but the time in which this text was written and the verses, very much so, the, the, the land at this time was in a state of prosperity. It was in a state of profit. Things were going well. And back in chapter 1 and verse 1, King Uzziah was on the throne of Judah, and Jeroboam, he was ruling in Israel. Now, King Uzziah was loyal and encouraged loyalty to Jehovah. But Jeroboam, he'd committed adultery, or idolatry rather, and he'd done nothing to, to stop a drift from God. You see, militarily at this time, Israel was very strong, and as such, the resources weren't being given over to war, but rather prosperity was on the rise. We would look on today and we would say, economically, the nation was thriving. The Uh, monthly or quarterly economic reports that we hear about now in the news, they would have all been positive and another 5% growth of GDP and everything would have been really good and everything was really prosperous. Uh, Profits were on the rise. Things were going well. And yet in the midst of all that, the profits were important, but the people weren't important in fact the people in that day they were being trampled on uh, the needy were being oppressed and uh, wages and not war was of more importance at that time now as we know from human history and indeed the nation uh, that Amos has mentioned here prosperity produced a number of things that uh, were referred to in our reading this evening they referred three things come about generally speaking in a time of prosperity we tend to get idleness We tend to get immorality, and we tend to get idolatry. Those are the three things that tend to come about when times are good in in any nation, not just the time in which we're thinking of this evening. And as a result of those three things, there's generally one thing that happens. There's a thread between all those three things, and it's this. With idleness, immorality, and idolatry that results in this. No real, genuine interest in God or the things of God. Now, as I've been speaking about this historical land many, many years ago, maybe some of you this evening have been listening on and, and you notice a parallel between the land and the, the conditions at that time and what we have today. Because even today, in 2024, all those many years later, there are an awful lot of par- parallels because Northern Ireland, and I know. Um, i don 't know if we 're still in a cost of living crisis or whatever the new crisis is now, and I know things are maybe tight and all the rest of it, but by and large, we are a very prosperous nation, a very prosperous country, especially whenever you consider uh, all across the world. We are very comfortable, we have an awful lot of resource, we have an awful lot of good things, and indeed, in Northern Ireland, we enjoy uh, a relative peace, and despite all those things, peace and prosperity. And all those different warnings that we have read off here in Amos chapter 4, I'm sure you noticed it at the end of every so many verses. Yet, have ye not returned unto me? There are those haunting words every so many verses. And in our we province, our we country, Northern Ireland, and further afield, with all its relative prosperity, with all its relative peace with all its wonderful opportunity that we enjoy, and let's face it, it's not the worst wee country to live in or have to live in, is it? Is it? No, that's okay. You're still with me. Dear me. It's not too bad. And yet, with all those opportunities and all that prosperity, there is still so many people who don't have a genuine faith in God or they've never, ever thought about their eternal souls. And maybe tonight... It's possible that you're here tonight, and as we've been discussing and reading and and bringing out these different truths from Scripture, you've identified yourself with some of the things that we have read about. And you've maybe been caught up with all the, uh, the prosperity. Maybe you've been caught up in all these different things. And maybe despite all the warnings that maybe God has put across your path, uh, be it maybe health and health scares, uh, maybe God's put other things across your path, different people that have come across your path to share with you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, all that opportunity, all those warnings, all those situations in your life where maybe God has spared your life in a very difficult situation or an accident or something, and you're still not saved. You're still not ready for that appointment with death whenever it will come. You see, our society is often too busy to think of God. I read this little poem just this afternoon, too busy to read the Bible, too busy to wait and pray. Too busy to speak out kindly to someone who passes by the way. Too busy working and worrying to think of the life to come. Too busy building earthly mansions to plan for the heavenly one above. Too busy to help a brother who faces trial and suffering woes. Too busy to share his burden. No time, I'm busy, you know. Too busy for all that is holy on earth beneath the sky. Too busy to serve the master, but not too busy to die. friend. It's good to be busy. It's good to be productive. But friend, if you're busy and you're productive and you're not ready to meet God, there will come a point in your life where all the busyness will stop. Where will you be? Will you be ready to meet God? There's just two simple points that I want to bring out tonight. There is a preparation that's required and there's a, then there's an appointment that's required. The first thing that I want you to see in verse 12 at the end it says here prepare to meet thy god O israel prepare to meet thy god you see there's a preparation that is required there's something that's needed here to be ready you know we're coming up nearly on two months past christmas i was asked this morning in the car daddy how long is it till christmas (laughs) i said oh you have about 10 months or so 10 months that seems forever, I says. Yep, it is to you, but to me, it'll probably come around very quickly again. When is it Christmas? We've just got past it. But friend, that time of Christmas, you would have been prepared. You would have got the presents, I'm sure. You got the wrapping paper out. You would have got all sorted. You were prepared. You were ready for that day because you knew that day was coming. And the difference between salvation and Christmas Day, there's many differences, but here's the thing. You don't know when your day of death is going to come. So you need to be prepared in advance. It's not as if you're going to know on this date you're going to pass away and, oh, I'll get ready for then. That's not the way it works. We must be ready to meet God, and we will look at that in a moment. The first perspective that I want to leave with you tonight is simply this. For somebody who is saved, somebody who's a believer, somebody who is ready to meet God, well, what makes them ready? What makes them special, you might think. If you're not saved here tonight, you might say, well, what makes them so special that they're ready to meet God and I'm not? Well, I'll try and explain it to you as simply as I can. They have made preparation. You see, unlike the people that we read of tonight in our passage, uh, believers have simply heeded the gospel warning. And maybe you've sat under many sermons, maybe at your mother's knee, maybe your father used to read God's word to you, maybe it was a faithful pastor, maybe it was a, a faithful wife, or maybe a husband that witnessed to you and told you and shared with you about your need of Christ. Well, how did they prepare? Well, certain things had to be put in order. You see, for those of us who are saved tonight, we're not any better than anybody else, but friend, those of us who are saved, we realized that we were born and we were shaped, as God's word tells us, in iniquity. We were born in Sin. We were sinners by nature and by practice, and we realized we could not and we cannot save ourselves. It's impossible for us to make that preparation. Our sin had separated us from God, and there was that great gulf that we couldn't span in and off ourselves. But we realized that the Lord Jesus Christ who had come into the world as the, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, he went to the cross and he bridged that gap. He became the go-between between me as a sinful man and a holy God. God sent his Son into the world to redeem the world. It tells us in Luke 22, 33, one of my favorite verses. It's so simple but so significant. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him you see calvary the cross the crucified christ on the cross was and is the believer's preparation to be ready to meet god christ went to the cross he became sin he took upon himself the sin of the world and all the sin was laid upon him your sin my sin everyone's sin he suffered he died but he rose again on the third day and he now lives in the power of an endless life and he's able to save even on to the uttermost all who will call on his name by faith. Friend, have you ever called upon his name to be ready? The Lord Jesus told us very clearly, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I wonder if you're here tonight, do you know and can you say, and could you say to me at the door that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a believer, that you have been as it were to Calvary, You've been to Calvary, and you can say, I've seen the Lord, and I know with an absolute assurance that my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I'll bear it no more. Friend, is it well with your soul? Are you ready for that great appointment? Have you made peace through the blood of his cross? Can you say from the very depths of your heart tonight that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me, has cleared me from all sin. Can you say that tonight with an assurance? That's the believers. But then there's the unbelievers. See, this is a different story for uh, no preparation has been made. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved, it's our great hope and our, our prayer that you will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing would give us a greater thrill to know that you are sure about your salvation. But if you're an unbeliever tonight, well, no preparation has been made. And an unbeliever doesn't have that great joy of sins forgiven. They don't have a peace with God or of God. And they have no idea about everlasting salvation. And immediately tonight, if you're here and and you're not saved, you might say, well, excuse me, but I'm very happy in life. I've got contentment. I have my family. I have a job that I enjoy. I have all these different things lined up and I'm quite happy. You're not. Because <laughs> you don't even know that you're living. Because it's only whenever you come to Christ you'll discover what real life is all about. You only think you're living if you haven't got Christ. You come to Christ, as we just mentioned, you will find he brings life more abundantly than you could ever imagine or think of. But the unbeliever, whenever they pass away or they die, they are launched into a place of torment. They're launched into a lost eternity, a place where there's no recourse, a place where there's no rehabilitation, where there's no uh, opportunity to to sort it out. There's no chance to ask for forgiveness then. And at one point in time, you'll stand before God as a sinner. And we thought about this very briefly this morning. You'll stand before him at that great white throne judgment. And there'll be a terrible, terrible end. See, death, as an unbeliever, is a finished state. There's no second chance. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as as sorting it out later on. If you pass through that door of death as an unbeliever, there's no further opportunity for repentance. I wonder tonight, if you haven't made any preparation, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Why have you not prepared for death? Why have you not prepared when the Lord Jesus Christ has died for you, has gave his life for you, has shed his precious blood for you? And yet it's possible that you could leave here tonight and go into a lost eternity if you were to die unprepared. You know, you can thank God tonight even if you're not a believer because he has brought you to this place tonight. He has brought you to this place of opportunity. He's given you one more opportunity. I don't know how many gospel meetings you've been in in 2024 already. Maybe you've already come to a couple. Uh, This is another one that you've come to tonight. God in his goodness and his grace has given you one more opportunity. Are you going to squander it? But then there's not only a preparation that's required, but then there's the appointment that's required. Did you see it? Prepare to meet thy God. You know that two litres of milk that you have in the fridge at home? Or maybe you buy the three litres of milk. I don't know. Maybe you buy smaller. Maybe you don't buy the two litres of milk. Well, I support the dairy farmers. And we go through an awful lot of milk. But I want to ask you a wee question about it. Do you know the way there's the expiry date on it? Best before or used before. Now, I know some people... I'm not going to name any names because I mightn't get a cup of tea when I go home. But I know some people and let me see where we're at 18th if the milk was dated the 19th of February to expire as soon as it hits midnight tonight that milk's off anybody here like that no me I still lash it into the cup and as long as nothing bubbles up to the surface I think we're alright anybody else like that Sure, what odds? It'll not do you any harm. It's been homogenized, moisturized, and pasteurized and all sorts of eyes. It should be all right, like. But some people, as soon as it hits that date at midnight, oh, can't take it, it's off. Friend, let me tell you this. Just to, be, to bring you all back down to earth, each and every one of us, myself included, I have, I'll just use myself as an example, I have an expiration date. Some of you might say, well, he's definitely had a best before date, and he's passed that. But we all have an expiration date, friend. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to contemplate it. But friend, there is a date for each and every one of us where we will, if the Lord doesn't return to the air to take us home as believers, there is that point where we will expire. There will come a point in my life when I will draw my last breath. There will come a point in my life where my heart will beat for the last time. And you might be sitting here this evening and you might wonder, why on earth is it so important that I am prepared to meet God? Friends, very simply, each and every one of us here must face death. None of us know. Some of us have very good health. Some of us might be allotted more than the uh, the three score and ten. We might get 80, we might even get 90 years, maybe even 100 years. But none of us knows just how many years we've got. And we have to be ready to face death. No matter our age, no matter our current health, death could come to any one of us at any point, even in the week to come. And friend, can I put it to you like this? An awful lot of people, especially maybe older people, and you, you hear them talking about people who have passed away, and they're all interested in knowing, well, what the I of? It's not what you die of. It's who you die with. And if you die with Christ, you've nothing to fear because it'll be absent from this old body and it'll be present with the Lord. And the book of Hebrews we read is appointed on to man once to die and after this, the judgment. We all have that date in the calendar for when we will die and meet God. I hope it's many years away, but friend, we have to be prepared. And you see, for the believer... The unknown time of death really doesn't hold any fear. Yes, our earthly families and friends and and our colleagues may miss us greatly. But for the believer, it's a wonderful moment. The believer, they'll die in Christ. Their sins have been forgiven. It's absent from the body. It's present with the Lord. Yes, there'll be sadness. But friend, there'll be also great uh, reunion because our faith will give way to sight. We will see him as he is. We will see Christ. What a wonderful thought that is. We will be free from all the chains of earth in this life. We will be free even from the very presence of sin in heaven. We'll be in heaven a place of paradise so glorious, so wondrous, beyond our very imagination. We cannot even put it into words. Assurance of heaven, by the way, isn't just something that that believers say to each other when a loved one uh, passes away. It's a reality. It tells us in Matthew uh, 24, verse 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, into life eternal. It's been said that death is not extinguishing the light from the Christian. It is the putting out of the lamp because the dawn has come. Friend, if you're here tonight and you're a believer and you're ready to meet God, whenever that moment comes where you close your eyes in death, people might think the lights have gone out. But friend, life has only begun. Our brother David reminded us of this at the table this morning. It's been on my mind all afternoon. That our greatest day as a Christian is yet to be. Where we will see Christ in all his fullness and all his wonderful attributes. What a day that will be. But friend, for the unbeliever... The appointment of death. That time will bring great change. Maybe you're here tonight and if you're not prepared on the outside, you might say, I don't need God. I don't need religion. And you've come up with all the excuses. What about the hypocrites? What about this? What about that? And all those things will matter in that day. And deep down, despite maybe all the bravado and the, the tough guy exterior about not needing God or religion deep within your heart at night, or maybe when you're driving down the road and somebody makes a risky maneuver on the road and your life's put at risk, for that half second, there's that flash across your mind. Where would I have been? What would happen to me if I were to die? And do you know why there's that fear There's that fear because you're unprepared. There's that fear because you're not ready to meet God. You know, some people like to wing meetings. Some people like to, in their work, they like to just wing it and hope for the best and, knock I've got enough talent and ability, I'll get through it. Friend, you can't wing death. You can't take a chance on death. You have to be ready. And deep down in your heart tonight, maybe if you're here and you're not saved, there is that deep knowing that I am not right to stand before God. And maybe I'm speaking to somebody here tonight, and by all outward appearances, everybody thinks you're saved. And maybe you're a membership of some church, or maybe you've been going along to church, and everybody just assumes and thinks that you're saved. And maybe you're not right at all. Friend, don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed about getting right with God. Who cares if everybody thought you were saved? That'll not matter in eternity. All that matters is that you are right with God in the here and now to be ready for the then and there. And maybe... As an unbeliever, you have a bit of a fear of death because deep down, you know, like our passage this evening, you've rejected all those judgments, all those different warnings that have come across your path, all the different sermons and gospel preachers that you've been privileged to sit under, that faithful friend at work who slipped you those little tracks, that faithful friend who maybe tried to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe that husband or wife, and you've spent a lifetime with them, and yet... You're still not prepared. You're still not ready. I've already mentioned tonight that the unbeliever, when they die, they enter a place of torment. They enter that place called hell. And I think, again, it was our brother David reminded me, maybe in the pre-service prayer meeting or sometime this morning or earlier, that nowadays when everybody dies, Everybody goes to heaven. An awful lot of lies told at funerals. How wonderful people are and were. Friend, it doesn't matter what people say at your funeral. It matters what you say to God tonight whenever you're challenged about your need of salvation. What think ye of Christ? Are you ready to go? For if you're not ready, you'll end up in that place called hell. Hell's real. It exists. Ministers might deny it. Churches might even deny it, but God's word confirms it. But you know, and I've said this many times, the most wonderful thing about the gospel message is this. Whilst we have to warn you about death, whilst we have to warn you about uh, that everlasting uh, place of torment, that place called hell, there is absolutely no reason why you should die unprepared tonight. Because Jesus paid it all on the cross. There is no reason tonight why you should die in your sin. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He that cometh to me, that's Christ, I will in no wise cast out. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is no reason why anybody here or anybody online tonight should have to pass away being unprepared because Christ died for you on the cross. Friend, I want to ask you tonight have you made preparation? Are you ready for that divine appointment with death? When your expiry date rolls round, are you ready? Will you be with those uh, believers who have had their sins forgiven, not because of anything they had done, except they called upon the name of the Lord and they're wonderfully saved? What a meeting of a lifetime it will be! We're going to sing it in a few moments' time. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. What a day! glorious day that will be. For the unbelievers, you be unprepared, not just for a meeting of a lifetime, but for a meeting of all time. Eternity in hell. I'm sure many of you knew who Larry King was. I think he's passed away now. But Larry King, of course, hosted a television show on CNN over in the United States and for the 20th anniversary of Larry King Live another very well-known presenter Barbara Walters she interviewed the man who had become famous interviewing others and she asked him this very direct question she asked him this revealing question and two of her most interesting responses that she got from Larry King came when she asked him about fear and asked him about faith Barbara Walters asked Larry King, what is your greatest fear? And he immediately replied, death. Now, Larry King had uh, lived an awful long time. This interview was conducted in, in 2005. He was at the top of his game. He was at the top of his career. He had so much to lose, but none of that mattered compared to the fear of death. What are you most afraid of? I'm afraid of death. And her immediate question to follow up was, do you believe in God? And Larry King responded and he said, I'm not sure I'm an agnostic. Friend, regardless of your success or your status, if you're unsure about God, you will most assuredly be fearful of death. You know, in just over a month's time or so, we'll uh, be coming round to the Easter season, that wonderful time of the year. And Easter reminds us of this, that the fear of death dissolves. When we walk with the one who walked out of the tomb. Are you prepared to meet God? Are you walking with the one who walked out of that tomb? Are you walking with Christ? Friend, it's my prayer here tonight that you would come to be prepared by knowing that one who made a way for you via the cross at Calvary. Let's just bow in prayer before we sing our closing hymn. Father, we thank you for the plainness and the simplicity of our gospel text this evening. Father, we thank you for that great challenge. Prepare to meet thy God. We realize it's a certain challenge. We realize it's something that we all must face. But for the believer here tonight, we'll not meet him as judge. Father, for those who are here tonight and they're not saved, and if they were to die, they will meet him as judge. Father, speak to hearts here this evening, we pray. Speak to those listening online, we pray. And we pray that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be wonderfully and truly saved. Continue with us now, we pray. We ask these things in your precious name.